parables tend to be simple, like this little humor about a story of a child, Jonah, who answered the cell phone when his godfather called. And the godfather said, Jonah, let me speak to your dad. And Jonah said, he's busy. He said, well, okay, then let me speak to your mom. Jonah said, she's busy. And he said, what, what she's busy about? He said, well, he's busy. She's busy with the police. The police are there? What are the police doing there? And he said, they're busy. They're busy with the firefighters. Well, let me speak to one of the firefighters. He said, shh, be quiet. I'm hiding under the sofa, and they're looking for me. The little simple story leads us to believe that there's a fire in a house. Police there and fire department, but really it, there's a little profound switch there. They're really looking for Jonah because he's, he's lost. They think he's lost, but he's hiding under the sofa. And so it is with these parables today. They, they seem so simple. The nature of a of a parable is just that it's simple but yet there's a profound little twist it's so simple that a fifth grader or a preschooler could understand it listen to the story but it's so profound that scripture scholars will spend the rest of their day and years trying to figure it all out I think of C.S. Lewis uh, when he wrote The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. He wrote a letter to his godchild. Uh, and this is what he wrote. He said, I wrote this story for you. But when I began, it was, I had not realized that girls grow quicker than books. As soon as you are already too old for fairy tales. And by the time it is printed and bound, you will be still older. But someday, you will be old enough to start reading fairy tales again. You can then take it down from some upper shelf, dust it, and tell me what you think of it. I shall probably be too deaf to hear or too old to understand a word you say, but I shall still be your affectionate godfather. What he's saying to Lucy is that she might think she's too old for these fairy tales, but later on she'll see the depth and the meaning of these. And so it is with parables. We might think, ah, we've heard this parable before, or we're too old for these fairy tales, but again, there's a profound meaning if we blow off the dust and pick it up and read it again and again for the rest of our life. The parable of the lost sons, the parable of the two sons, expresses what's closest to God's heart, his two sons. In other words, what's closest to God's heart is you and I. But you and I, like the two sons, get lost in this world. We can get lost in our emptiness. There's another simple little fairy tale or fable. It goes like this. A gnat 
alighted on one of the horns of a bull and remained sitting there for a considerable time. But when it had rested sufficiently and was about to fly away, it said to the bull, Do you mind if I go now? And the bull merely raised his eyes and remarked without interest, It's all one to me. I didn't notice when you came, and I shan't know when you go away. Many people feel like that little gnat. And they think that God doesn't notice when they come and when they go away. Or they might even think that somebody in their family doesn't notice them when they come and when they go. And so we get lost in our emptiness like the prodigal son who asks the father for all of his inheritance. Maybe he feels like that little gnat. And he goes away and he spends all of his inheritance on prostitutes and pornography. And then he's lost. And even when he comes back, he still feels like that little gnat. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as you would treat me one of your hired hands. So he got off and went to his father. And what did he do? He repeated it quickly, the same thing. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I no longer deserve to be your, con your son, but the father cut him off. And this is the beauty of a parable. Uh, a parable, unlike a fable, a fable helps us to experience ourselves as ourselves, a gnat. But a parable helps us to experience us, you and me, as the Father experiences you, not as you experience yourself. So the Father says, quickly bring the finest robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his fing finger and sandals on his feet. Take a fat calf and slaughter. This son of mine was dead has come to life. He was lost, like that little gnat, but has been found. He's trying to bring his son that's lost in his emptiness, not into his experience of himself, but into the father's experience of him. And it's the same with the elder son. The elder son gets lost, not in his emptiness, but in his pride. He gets lost in his arrogance. Reminds me of another little fable about pride. A tortoise, dissatisfied with his lowly life, when he beheld so many of the birds, his neighbors, deporting themselves in the clouds and thinking that if he could once get up in the air, he could soar with the best of them. Called one day the eagle and offered him all the treasures of the ocean if he could only teach him to fly. So the eagle would have declined the task, assuring him that the thing was not only absurd but impossible. But being further pressed by the entries and promises of the tortoise, he at length consented to do for him the best he could. 
So taking him up to a great height in the air and losing his hold, loosening his hold upon him, now then, cried the eagle. But the tortoise, before he could answer him a word, he fell plump upon a rock and was dashed to pieces. We always say there's pride before the fall. The elder son fell, fell to his pride. Uh, he deserved it. After all, he's been faithful all these years, so I guess I deserve this. But your son doesn't. And so he said, the father says to the elder son, suffering and lost in pride, my son, you are here with me always. Everything I have is yours. But we must celebrate and rejoice because your brother was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. He's trying to bring the elder son into the father's experience of him. And so where does this leave us? Not hopefully in our lostness like the gnat, Hopefully not in our arrogance, like the tortoise. But maybe it can leave us here in these beautiful words. It's called the way of the imperfect. It is not this holiness of the poor which, in my opinion, becomes the great spirituality of the third millennium. Holiness of the poor is to open oneself to merciful love. And to discover to love is not, first of all, being heroic, but is to offer one's weakness, to be open to God's gift, to crying out to him from the depths of one's poverty. We do not build our own holiness, not even through our generosity. We do not build holiness through fidelity that can engender pride. In a heart poor and humble, we receive the holiness like that received by the prodigal son on the cross of the merciful Jesus. What does Jesus want us to receive today? That is an experience of ourself as he experiences us. That's what a parable does. All we need to do is have a poor heart to receive his merciful love. Amen.